Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. They had people from all these different floors coming and they had no idea. It was like one thing after the next that just kept going wrong. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, man. We're trying to record, but there seems to be a big delay that I'm going to have to edit out. Yeah, that's a bummer. Hopefully with the magic of editing, nobody will even notice. (laughs) Maybe one of us shouldn't have gone on vacation. Well, (laughs) how's your week going? I'm so far away from you. I know. It's going okay. I am trying to get my house organized again, making plans to go to the dump and to drop stuff off for donations. But I'm being honest, I don't feel very good and it's making me a little nervous. Like you don't feel good how? So I have carpal tunnel, right? But it's gotten a lot worse and my hands go numb like all the time. If I'm curling my hair, they go numb. It's And it's mostly my right hand or if I'm cooking or anything that I'm doing with my right hand, it goes numb really quickly. But today it's going numb and it's like traveling up my arm and it's giving me like pain in my shoulder. So I don't know what's going on, but I just feel weird. Like I'm no doctor, but should you go to the hospital? I don't know. I don't feel like it's that serious yet. But if I end up getting like a headache or I feel dizzy or things like that, then I probably should. My God, you better be alive when I get home. (laughs) No promises. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. So anyways, how's your vacation going? We made it finally. It was a bit of a shit show. Yeah. We were supposed to leave at 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And then on Monday afternoon... We got an email saying, oh, we're going to change your flight because of lack of crew. You're now going to be leaving at 6 p.m. tomorrow and you're going to fly to Quebec, which is further than Ontario. You're going to get there at midnight and then you're going to just wait in the airport, just hang out until 6 a.m. and then you'll fly to Toronto but like we're traveling with two kids yeah that's unbelievable it was unreal so Lindsay had to wait on hold with WestJet for three hours she was like absolutely not what are my other options because I'm not flying all night with two children they finally said our only other option was to fly not until what I don't even know what day it is. I guess Thursday we would fly at 6 a.m. to Winnipeg and we'd have a three-hour layover and then we would fly to Toronto. So we were doing carry-on only. And if anybody's been watching the news, Pearson Toronto Airport is one of the worst ones right now affected by lack of staff. So it ended up taking us like 17 hours to fly to Ontario and it only should have taken us eight, not even eight. Yeah, that's crazy. I hear that it's nuts in the airports right now and because everybody wants to fly, but then 
during the pandemic, pilots were offered like early retirement. So now there's not enough staff and everybody wants to get the hell out of here. So yeah, it was not great. And when we were in Winnipeg, so we purposely did carry on because if you've seen any videos on social media at the airports, like the luggage handling is just atrocious, especially Toronto. And so we were like, we're only going to do carry on. We're just going to pack light. And in Winnipeg, they made an announcement that because everybody decided to only do carry on, they needed volunteers to check their bags going to Toronto. And nobody came forward. And so the guy. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he made an announcement and he was like, okay, if if nobody comes forward, we're just going to randomly draw 15 names. And we were like, we will fight. Like. We are not checking our bags. Oh, my God. Yeah, but no. we are here. We are in Bob Cage in Ontario, and we're on a lake, and it is lovely. It looks really great. It, the pictures and videos that you posted so far just look relaxing and beautiful. I miss Ontario so much for the lakes, and I'm glad you're having a good time. Yeah, I'm really sleepy. I think my body is like, oh, you haven't taken any time off since your dad died. We're going to just just sleep. So I've been really sleepy. Yeah. But I've just been like taking it easy, going to bed early, waking up late. That's great. I think that is so good. I am a little bit, I have to say, I, I not that I'm happy that your flight catastrophe happened, but it did give us the opportunity to hang out at a hotel with you guys for a little while and go swimming. So that was super fun. Oh, yeah. I forgot to, yeah, I forgot to even mention because... Our flight was 6 a.m. We had to be at the airport at 4.20 a.m. We were like, we might as well just get a hotel right by the airport the night before because, like, it's a 45-minute drive from our house to the airport. So we invited you guys to have, we had McDonald's and we swam and hung out and it was so nice. I know. It was so fun. It was my kid's last day of school, so it was a nice little, like, celebration. I love that. It was So good to see everybody, and we had so much fun. We did, and nobody drowned. I forgot to tell you, one of our listeners reached out, and randomly, she lives in a town 20 minutes away from Bob Cajun. Oh, cool. Yeah, so her name is Joy, and I feel so bad. I wish I, like, Um, I wouldn't have known, but I wish I had brought some swag or merch or something because I totally would have given it but but she recommended a really good coffee place we're going to check out this week oh that's awesome that's so exciting I love that we have listeners all over the place yeah such a I think such a coincidence I love it totally yeah what are you gonna do you've been off all of last week or most of last week or no I'm off this week every day except for Thursday so last week was crazy because I don't know if you remember, but Canada Day, usually June 30th is like historically the busiest day to work at a bank. Oh. So the week was really busy. It's always like end of the month, end of the school year, long weekend coming up. People are trying to get away. It's like just a whole bunch of stuff. So this past week was really busy and we were super short staffed. So I worked a lot. I worked extra. But yeah, this week I'm off. And I'm just going to, I'm going to really try to have some fun with the kids, but I also really need to get my house in order. And it's my seven, almost eight-year-old's birthday on Wednesday. So. My God, how is she going to be eight? I know. It's crazy. What it's crazy. Thinker. Is she going to have a birthday She's getting party? too old. We're going to have a party on Saturday. I have no idea what we're doing yet. I don't have anything planned, but I'm hoping the weather cooperates so we can just do the pool outside and water balloons and stuff like that. 
Oh, that, I wish my birthday was in the summer. I know. Mine's like smack dab in the middle of winter. It's no fun. Yeah. Like our options are tobogganing, skating, or a movie. Yeah. Did a lot of movies when I was a kid and a lot of indoor swimming. So what did you do last night? Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know. What? We went on a paranormal oh my God. <laughs> tour of the Settler's Village, which is like the, I don't know, like the Heritage Park or the, I think every place has one where they collect a bunch of the old buildings and the yeah. original town site and they're usually haunted. So was it haunted? So Lindsay and I went with her cousin and his wife, Jim and Melissa, and they are so lovely and okay. we got babysitters and we went, it was from seven till 10 and we got to go into four of the buildings with a crew of paranormal investigators. And I'll say it was... Oh my God, that's so crazy. Yeah, so they had a medium there with them. She instantly picked out our group and was like, I'm so sorry, I just need to, before we start, I need to ask if you lost anybody and she like gave Oh some my God, you're cutting out so badly. <gasps> oh no. I know, I need to be able to hear this story. Can you hear me now? Okay, continue. Okay, so she said, did you have a male in your life who died and gave some details about how they died. I'll keep some of the details private because it was not my family. And she said, and I think his name was, it started with a D like a Don or something. And Jim and Lindsay were like, yeah, that's our uncle. We had an uncle who died this way and his name was Don. And the medium was like, okay. And he has two daughters, right? And they were like, yes. And she was like, okay, he's here. And he has a message for you to pass along. So he like, I won't give that many details because it's not my family. But it was, yeah, it, it was like very spookily accurate. Both Lindsay and Jim were oh like, my gosh. are you kidding me? So now they're trying to decide. Wow. Like, how to, they don't know how to tell their cousins like this Don's daughters. Yeah. Will and they be like receptive to it? I don't. They don't think so, but they don't know. So they're we're trying to figure out the best way to oh. maybe bring it up. Wow. Yeah, it was really spooky, but the paranormal stuff, they had like, they had a couple of pieces of equipment that are used in like television shows where you might do paranormal investigating. There was very little activity. There was nothing really happening. And it was a little goofy because they were like, is anybody oh. here? Make yourself known. And then we would all just stand there and nothing would happen. Like a couple of times, like this little thing meter something would light up and they'd be like thank you can you do that again and then nothing would happen oh interesting yeah it was like a little bit silly and then they had this app on their phone which I suppose could be real but like also it could just be an app it was called like necrophonic app it runs through a wave of radio stations at a really fast speed and I guess spirits can communicate through it. So you might hear words all of a sudden through this static. There would just be a random word like yes. Or they would say something and then somebody would be like, did you hear them say now here? And I did not hear this through the white noise. So oh, funny. 
yeah, it was like good. It was like funny. Some of their stuff was a little bit silly, but the stuff with the medium was really cool. That's crazy. It was cool. And Lindsay's family has a lot of history in this town. So it was really neat to be in those right. buildings and know that she has some family history in these places. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'm starting to develop a headache, which is making me a little nervous. Oh, my God. I'm going to call you immediately. It's like my whole right this. side of my body is just not, huh. It's just curious. Yeah. Well, maybe let's get into this episode. We'll see how this intro turns out. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Hello, Olivia. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Ready good. for the weekend. <laughs> yeah I, is it nice where you are it's like springtime it's been nice but today is more of a gloomy cloudy kind of day I'm not mad at it though sometimes I try to remind myself that like we need the rain in the spring to make everything beautiful and green yes it makes me feel better about just staying in and resting yeah yeah, yeah especially in where you are and you guys need you need the water yeah yeah I guess That's California is really dry right it is, yeah. It's not raining too much today, but it, we did get a little bit yesterday, which was a nice change of pace. That's yeah. great. We're so excited to talk to you. Your story was so interesting because it has to do with toxic shock. It feels like the thing that everybody that we were all scared of, but never knew anybody that yeah. had it. It was like not real yeah. or something. I don't know. So why don't we have you introduce yourself? Maybe tell us like a little bit about you. What do you do? Who you are? And then we'll get into the reason that we reached out to you. That sounds good. So my name is Olivia Grace. I am a singer-songwriter. I live in Los Angeles with my dog, Jesse, who's very cute. And I am 26 years old. I had to think about that. But yeah, I had toxic shock syndrome in July 2020. And I've been sharing my story and just trying to spread awareness and education. Wow. Did yeah. you know wow. what toxic shock was before you got it? So I knew about it growing up when, you know, I started using tampons for the first time. That was the conversation I have. My mom, be careful. You see the wording label. I didn't know that you could get it outside of using a tampon or through non-menstrual ways until I got it. And then that's mm -hmm. when I really learned more about what it actually is. Because I always just thought it was caused by tampons, which it's not. Yeah. The case. Yeah. I thought it was the fake warning that they had to put on tampon packaging yeah. just in case. Like it was something that never happened. But it does happen and it's not just to do with menstrual products. So where does your story start? Yeah, so three years actually before I got toxic shock, I had a very tiny lump in my armpit that I noticed and I was like, this is odd. I'm going to go to a dermatologist and I go to the dermatologist and she says there's nothing there. I'm like, I know my body. This is like a not part of my body or a normal part of my body yeah and there's nothing more to be done she just doesn't feel it and I leave and it gets a little bit bigger I go back and she says it doesn't seem like it's anything to worry about like just I honestly forgot what she said about it but basically there was no further follow-up with it and then I was actually in the process of moving at this time from New York to LA and I was staying with my parents and while I was staying with them the lump got so big and I went to an urgent care and they had me do an ultrasound and it was actually, they were concerned that it was breast cancer. So I saw a general surgeon who 
told me the same thing basically as a dermatologist that it wasn't cancer it wasn't something i need to worry about they gave me an antibiotic just just in case i had an infection and that was that i had the lump for years and i would get pain from time to time but i was told that this was just when it got larger if it was pressing on my nerves it was nerve pain when i got toxic shock syndrome about maybe a few weeks before I started having that really intense pain and it didn't look different. I didn't have pus or anything like that. So I thought it was just a nerve pain. It wasn't until the night before I went to the hospital, the night before I went unconscious that I started having all of these full body symptoms. And I was like, something is very wrong. This isn't normal. Like the pain was radiating down my arm. I was so stiff. I don't know when I actually caught the staph infection that caused TSS, but maybe on those few weeks before is my theory. I'm just not sure. And so were you still living with your parents at this time? No. So I've been living in LA since, gosh, how long has it been? 2017. So I live alone and they're on the East Coast. And so when you were getting all these pains, were you like, oh, I should go see a doctor? Or were you like, oh, it's just that pesky, nothing lump? Yeah, when it was just my armpit hurting, and I wasn't having full body symptoms, I was like, this is just what I've had for years, like didn't feel different. It progressed so quickly. I was at the beach earlier in the day, like I went to lunch. And then by that evening, I was projectile vomiting. I was having the pain was just absolutely radiating down my arm. It was so extreme. I was having shortness of breath. It felt like I was suddenly hit by a bus. Like there was no progression to it. And that's when I was like, okay, I I need to go to the hospital. And I wanted to go that evening actually. But the reason I waited till 6, 7 a.m. is because I have a dog. And I was like, I might be there for like a day. So I'll, I'll make sure to drop him at daycare first. And I had no idea. I'm very lucky I dropped him off. But yeah, I had no idea what was about to come. So all night you just waited till the next morning. And then did you take yourself there? I took myself. I drove actually with one arm because I just, I didn't know like how serious it was. It was something I'd had for years that had been dismissed. And I thought maybe it's like food poisoning. I doubt it myself. I knew something was wrong though. I just didn't know how serious it was. I think a lot of us do that with our symptoms. Like we downplay things that it's totally fine. It's totally fine. It'll go away. No big deal. And then also, was there a hesitation when it comes to going to the hospital because of the cost of going? Yeah, I think it's a mix of you have the long wait and I've never really had great experiences with doctors. So I really didn't want to go and deal with the whole experience of being dismissed or um, yeah. perhaps if I was being too, let's say over dramatic and I go and it's nothing and I'm wasting their time. It's that internalized message from society yeah. that I was dealing with, I think was part of it. Yeah. Did you let anybody know? Were you like, hey mom, just a heads up. I can't breathe and my arm is stiff. I'm so lucky that I'm, I share pretty much everything with everyone because I told my, I have a group of best friends and we're in a group chat together and they knew everything that was going on. They're the ones who were like, you should go to the hospital. And both my parents knew that I was going to the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. happened when you went in the morning? You went to urgent care or to the emergency room? Yeah. So I went to the emergency room and it was actually, to my surprise, the weight room was pretty much empty. I think the whole experience was only a couple of hours in and out, which I was not expecting. And they did do some tests. I'm trying to remember, I think they did do one type of scan. I think they did something with my chest. Um, and they did some blood work and 
He told me that it was whatever was going on, that I need to see a primary care doctor, that this was not an emergency situation. And what's so interesting, so there's a couple of things here. He told me that one of the differential diagnoses was breast cancer, so that came up again which was scary. I'm like, oh my God, I might have cancer. So he gave me copies of my work and everything. What was so interesting is that one of the paperwork that he gave me to give follow-up instructions, it had to do with, was it pneumonia or I think it was pneumonia or bronchitis or something that was a chest diagnosis, which I was like, this is interesting. Is that he listened to my chest and there, there was already something going on. And when I looked at my blood work, I texted my friends after because I was like, he said that it was pretty fine, but there's all these levels that, you know, my white blood count, everything was off, like literally everything. I don't know how extreme it was in the doctor world, but I did notice that it was off. And of course I was Googling it and like, what does it mean? Yeah. And, and I actually think when I was Googling, you shouldn't like, sometimes you Google and you get things you're like, Oh God, I'm going to die. But I think toxic shock actually was one of the things that came up as a possible answer. Yeah. And so you're just sent home and you're like, okay, I guess I'll just follow up with my doctor later. I learned months later when I asked for the full records of my chart, they told me that they were giving me an IV and antibiotic in the hospital. And I have, so when I left the hospital, I was so exhausted that I slept in my car for two hours before driving myself home. And I was next to an ambulance and I saw that there was somebody in it and I just snapped on my steering wheel. And then and then I went unconscious when I got home. But oh when I looked through the paperwork, I saw that they actually gave me morphine without my consent. And I know I know that I said no because I had texts to my friends because I text everything saying yeah. they offered me morphine, but I refused it because, you know, that's addicting and I'm, yeah. I'm scared to take it. But it said in my chart that they gave me morphine and they didn't tell me. And then I went to drive myself home and I was too tired to drive. And Because you were on morphine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know this. Wow. So you got home and your dog is still at daycare. Yeah. And you're just, that's always my concern. I'm like, where was the dog? <laughs> <laughs> lucky because he has fear aggression too so if somebody was to come into my apartment to find me he might have he probably would have tried to attack them and then who knows what would have happened to him yeah so i'm very lucky that he was happy playing with his dog friends at daycare but i yeah. i got home and i was like i need to go pick him up and then there's just this voice in my head that's like, i'm so tired i just need to take this day to rest i can't do anything and then i went unconscious for over 24 hours shortly after Oh and, my god. Like does, so you go unconscious. Does anybody know? Like for 24 hours is it because nobody checked on you? What yes. happened? So I'm very lucky that my parents knew something was wrong. So my I talked to my best friend about this actually months after I got to the hospital. They sent me I don't even remember this. They sent me a like a postmates grocery bag of food and stuff and I love food and it had like ice cream and everything and my friend told me that it got delivered to the wrong door a couple doors down and I was so tired I was like that's okay they can just have it and then I stopped responding after that and they were gonna call a police check because they're like that's really not like Olivia she seems really out of it she's not being responsive they were gonna call the police to do a wellness check they didn't yet but my parents they got really scared not hearing from me because my phone of course ended up dying and some messages weren't going Going through and the first thing they did they called the police to do a wellness check and apparently so let me back up I live in a guest house so there's a family in the front house and then it's me in the back so the police apparently came and I guess they knocked on my landlord's door with their teenage daughters. The police asked the girls if they knew anything about me. My car was out front they said I was maybe walking my dog. The police said 
when you see her, let her know that her parents are looking for her. And that's all they did. Oh my God. And I live on the ground. I have windows where I have sheer curtains. I never really have them closed. They could have just looked and they would have seen me. So that happened. And then my parents started, they knew that Jesse, my dog, was at daycare. So they started calling around to all these local daycares and oh. they found the right and they said that, yeah, I never came to pick up my dog. I was only supposed to he was only supposed to be there for a day, which ended up turning into two months. But oh my, uh, oh my god. Yeah. So then they were, you know, okay, the police didn't do anything. They learned I didn't pick up my dog. And they found my landlord's contact information. Um, I think they use like one of those phone number lookup services, which mm-hmm. seems so scammy, but I guess it actually <laughs> works in this case. And they got a hold and they asked my landlords to go into my apartment, please check in on me. And that's, they found me. Oh my God. Your friends and family are probably like, okay, is this serious? Should we get the police involved? Like they're probably questioning themselves too. Like, are we overreacting? Because you hear about those scenarios, but you never want it to believe that it could happen to you. So they were probably trying to reserve themselves a little bit with their reaction, but it was definitely warranted in this situation. Yeah. When I got my phone back on, all those text messages were delivered. And there were so many from my mom being like, please call me. Like, it's 11 11. I'm praying. I think that from talking to her, she definitely knew that something was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so your landlords called 911? Yeah. And the EMTs, I guess yeah. <laughs> that's what's called. These came. And then I was hospitalized for the next couple of weeks. And so did how did they then determine that it was toxic shock syndrome? They did a hell of a lot of testing. They tested me for AIDS. They tested me for, I'm trying to think what else, uh, meningitis. They tested me for just every drug possible to see if I was on drugs. Like basically every single condition or just rare diseases they were testing me for. And are you unconscious at this point? Do you become conscious when the EMTs arrive or are you taken away and you wake up in the hospital? So the... I think the main memory, the first main, like, clear memory I have is being in a hallway and, like, my wrists were restrained. And I just remember being asked, like, do I know my name? What year is it? Like, when's my birthday? And I just remember not knowing. I was like, there's nothing up here. Like, I don't know. And I just feeling really scared. Now, I do, like, I'm hesitant to say I remember because I don't know if this was a real memory or not. But when my Mm -hmm. landlords came and I was unconscious, I don't know if this was a dream. I don't fully know if this was real. But I remember, I maybe remember hearing, like, knocking and feeling like the, like, kind of, like, opening my eyes and feeling like the door was, like, miles away. It felt like it was so far away. And I I maybe remember all these men over me and feeling, wow, there's so many men. Oh, (laughs) wow. So I think, yeah, being in the hallway, that's, that was a clear thing. And then it wasn't until... I think the morning, just looking at my call history and such, it was a nurse that I was speaking to and she asked me if I knew where I was. And I thought I was at the original hospital that I was at or that I went to. And then they told me where I really was. And they told me that my dad was on the plane coming to see me. That's when I spoke with my mom. And yeah, they they did so much testing. I don't think, I think they suspected toxic shock at at one point, but I don't think I actually got that diagnosis until it had been like a week. Like diagnosis and are they just pumping you fill like with antibiotics just to kind of like help you feel better 
I was on so many drugs. I don't even know what I was on. I was on a lot of drugs. I know that they, gosh, one of the things I remember having to get, which isn't really an antibiotic, but I remember getting heparin shots on my stomach daily, which is to stop or to prevent blood clots. And so I just remember that because I started getting all these bruises on my stomach and I wanted to refuse. I was like, I'm done. And then I wasn't, I couldn't be done. But yeah, yeah, it was just a lot of antibiotics and, um, yeah, it was a lot. So your dad came right away? Yeah, well, I didn't get to see my dad until I left the hospital because it was during COVID. So uh-huh. I was not a lot of friends or family. And so he was here. He was taking care of my place. I think we wanted to have somebody close by in case it did take a really dark turn or a worse mm-hmm. turn that he was here. But yeah, I didn't actually get to see him for weeks. Oh. Wow. So you're just alone in the hospital. They don't know right away. So how does somebody get toxic shock? What actually medically ended up happening? Yeah, so toxic shock is caused by toxins and bacteria. The three main types of bacteria are staph, strep, and sardellii. And I had a staph infection, which just took over and it caused the toxic shock syndrome. And that was the lump in my armpit that had the staph infection. And so how does the lump get the infection? Like it's just whatever it was became infected? Yeah, so bacteria enters and actually staph lives on our skin and on surfaces and it's a very common bacteria, but if it causes an infection or if it yeah causes a bad reaction, then that can potentially lead to toxic shock. And what I've learned is that we actually, typically many of us have antibodies to protect us from this, but there's no way to know if you have those antibodies or not. That's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, should the doctor at the emergency room, should they have caught something? I don't know. It feels like they should have caught it sooner before you were unconscious for 24 hours. They definitely, the first hospital should have caught, they should have at least kept me all the signs. And I was having like chest pain, shortness of breath. Like I was having all these full body symptoms. And I remember asking them to biopsy the lump and he said no. If he had biopsied it, maybe they would have seen that it was growing staff. And actually I remember at the second hospital because I had the lump ended up being extracted. They said that it was still growing staff even when it was in like the culture uh, culture is what's called or the dish Whoa. or whatever yeah. it was yeah. um and that ended up being the source of a pss oh my god that's so scary yeah like now we have to worry <laughs> about tss not just with tampons i yeah. know and i try to spread education online but i also don't want to scare people as yeah. well because it is it is still rare and there's preventative steps that we can take such as washing our hands and there's different things that we can do if we get an infection, making sure to treat it with antibiotics and things like that. So I try not to scare people, but I have realized since sharing my story that I've had so many people reaching out telling me that they've either lost somebody to it or that they had it themselves. There was one person I remember who had who had to have several, I think it was their legs amputated or maybe it was their hands and their legs. I'm, I'm, I don't fully remember, but I just remember being like, wow, it's just so scary. And it's more people than I thought. I remember there was a supermodel like a years ago that had to have her leg amputated because of it. Um, I remember that. I feel like that was the big story around TSS yeah, several yeah. years ago. Yeah. Because what Carlin was saying, we're warned about it when we start wearing tampons, but has anyone we've known ever experienced this? Is it really that big of a deal? I remember being shocked when I heard people don't wear tampons like overnight. Mm, and I'm like, right. I, 
always wear them overnight. And so then I was like freaked out about that. But it's it's so scary. So what is the treatment for the toxic shock that you had? Yeah, so I had several different things going on. I had, when I was in the hospital, I had liver failure, kidney failure. I'd had a type 2 heart attack, which is not quite like a traditional heart attack. It's when you're not getting enough oxygen. And my lungs were collapsed. And so it was a lot of different things that they had to treat. I was on dialysis three times a week for the kidney failure. And they did a procedure called a thoracentesis, which is when they put a needle into, I think, like between your ribs to drain the fluid in your chest. Because I had, what was happening was that I had so much fluid in my chest chest that it caused my lungs to collapse. So they had to drain that. And those were two of the procedures I did. They ended up doing the surgery to remove the lump. Once that was removed, my levels started improving and being on antibiotics. But the treatment for TSS really depends on the history of the right. person. Is it associated with a post-surgery wound? Is it associated with tampons? So for me, it was that lump. And so removing that was a, an important part of my treatment. And so that's wow. why you were in the hospital for so long, right? Yeah, just I had all these different things going on. I think that was also too why it was so hard for them to diagnose me at first because everything was wrong. And I looking at my paperwork because I've gone through it. I'm trying to, you know, there's these gaps in my memory. So I'm trying to understand what happened to this time. And I remember that there were notes about just that I was so stiff. And that's why they did a spinal tap because they were concerned that it was maybe meningitis or something else that would be diagnosed the, the similar way. And I actually have been back to that ER several times since having TSS with different health issues. And I, I remember when I was in the emergency room, one of the doctors came and he was looking at me with his jaw a bit open and he was like, do you remember me? And I was like, no, I was like, should I? And he was one of the doctors who treated me when I was in the ER when I was first taken in and he told me that they had people from all these different floors coming and it was just like they had no idea it was just it was like one thing after the next it just kept going wrong and I just his reaction was it was just crazy to see because I could see in his face the wow you you look very different right now compared to when I was brought up wow so have you've had some long-lasting complications because of it I have I'm definitely doing a lot better one of the main things that is really impacted my life is the PTSD. I was in a very bad, dark mental state for a couple months after I got out of the hospital and I, you know, started seeing a therapist twice a week and I'm very grateful for that. I'm definitely in a much healthier state of mind. I still see her weekly, but outside of that, there is still some health things I don't have answers for I'm seeing my rheumatologist and cardiologist and I have to see a sleep specialist and a physical therapist. I'm still looking for answers where last year I had months of debilitating fatigue and I saw a rheumatologist and she said it was chronic fatigue syndrome but I didn't the source I didn't know and then it just went away and actually had a month of that this past year like a month ago or so actually and it was the same thing where seeing the doctors and just not having answers for these just long-lasting issues as for my heart I do have two different types of blocks in my heart but It isn't, and I do have some issues of pain and shortness of breath, but it isn't something that my cardiologist and I have decided is, it's just something that I need to monitor annually and get checked up on. It's not something that I need to do any big procedures or anything with right now. That's got to be so scary and frustrating being so young. You move out to LA, you're singer songwriter and making your way and to be brought down by this seems like it seems so random. 
Yeah, and it's definitely something I struggle with because on one hand, logically, and I do feel this way sometimes, but, but I should just feel, I tell myself, I should just feel grateful to be here. And yet, so then I feel guilty because then I have these feelings of anger of six months before this, or it was like five months or so, five, six months before I got toxic shock. I was on tour. I just had my, a song and a TV show, which oh my was my God. first time. There were all these exciting things going on. I had just gone to Tulum for the first time and just living my I, I was 24 at this time and so just being young and excited and then everything kind of changes and it's definitely impacted how I live my life now and I want to just be grateful to be here and on the other hand I'm like I'm angry that I can't do things the way that I used to yeah. and it's a balance that I'm working through yeah. there's a wide range of emotions that therapy has been really helpful in helping me work through but i think recovery is just it's not a linear process i find myself saying this a lot because there are days i feel like i'm having i've been having a great week and so i'm like yeah i feel great right now i'm doing good but then suddenly it just switches and it's that kind of fear of okay am i going to feel good today am i not going to feel good and yeah it's just not a linear process and I find myself talking, sharing my story on TikTok, and that's been really healing for me because it is such a big part of my life. And it feels comforting to be able to share that and to be able to relate to people who maybe have had similar traumas. And yeah. 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 We always say that once you share your story, you realize how many people out there have the same one. And then you can really connect with them. What has been like the reaction of people with you sharing your story? I did not expect the level of support and the reaction that I got. I've had so I feel like I've built this really supportive community. And so here's my hot take. The internet can be a mean place, right? Like yeah. people who have keyboard warriors and it's just hard to avoid. But I feel very lucky that at least on TikTok, my community that I have, I've only ever seen like a couple of the little tips break out in my comment section that I try to shut down because I do want it to be a place where we're respectful towards each other and people can share and ask questions without feeling shame or dumb or whatever it might be and it's been a mix of people who are just curious and wanting to learn more and are excited to learn more and then there are people who've maybe been through traumas or who can especially relate to the part of being dismissed by doctors and mm -hmm. who that's a, a place for them to talk and be heard have you been able to get back to singing and songwriting yeah so last year in the first months after getting out of the hospital i actually made an album and I did it from my bed. I recorded all the vocals in my apartment and I worked with producers in France. We did everything by Zoom. Oh and I would be like, we'd be like recording and then I'd go throw up and like, oh, it was just like, it was a lot. But at the same time, it was so much fun. And I, it was a really big part of my healing journey. But I have done a couple of shows and I released a couple of songs and I did a music video as well. In the last couple of months, I've been more focused on, it's been feeling really good to share my story and focus more on that. So I've been leaning more into that, but I'm definitely excited to release some more music. And I've been thinking about that in the last couple of weeks. Well, especially with COVID restrictions slowing down, maybe things yeah. are getting a little bit back to normal that way too. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to play shows and such. I definitely am eager to play more. <laughs> yeah. What kind of music do you do? It's alternative pop music. Oh, fun. Yeah. So it's kind of, I feel like I get compared to Lana a bit and I love her, but I'd say my music's a little bit, has a little bit more drive or leap to it than okay. perhaps her stuff that it does. Try to think who else I get it compared to. I feel like that's one of the main ones is my voice gets compared to her. All the songs from this album are 
very much about the last couple of years and my experience with TSS. Yeah. Is your album already released? No, I have not released it. Oh, <laughs> I've been holding on. Well, I released a couple of songs from it and then I just paused. And if I'm being honest, I think in the last couple of months, I felt a bit of a burnout of the music industry. Yeah. And I just needed to recalibrate and get back to the joy of the music and how I felt when I was making the album. I think there's also too something that I'm I realized last night. I actually wrote it down. I wrote nothing changes unless you do stop hiding because I think that when it's been a couple of years since really being active in the music industry and all these things have happened, there's almost like this pressure of everything I need to do needs to be perfect. Yeah. And that pressure can be, it can weigh you down to the point of where you just are paused, like you're frozen. And so I'm trying to get out of that and be like, you know what, like, this isn't going to be the last thing I do. And if it's not the best thing I do, that's okay, because it's an honest thing. And it's me. And that's something where I'm trying to work through right now. Sometimes you just have to put it out there, whether it's perfect or not, and let it do what it does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even on our like small scale, we were so hesitant to start the podcast because maybe I didn't understand the editing or we didn't have the best equipment yet or we didn't have the best sound. And the best advice we got was from another podcaster that was just like, just start, just release it. Mm. People, then you'll be able to look back as you progress and see how far you've come. I love that. I feel like once you just got to go for it, because if you're always just thinking about it, then you can't, there's no room for that growth or that improvement. That's such great advice. It's true. It's more so getting past the mental humps than anything else. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find your music or your social media? Yeah. So my Instagram and TikTok is meet Olivia Grace, M-E-T. And then I also have my music under Olivia Grace as well on Spotify and Apple and anywhere else you want to listen to music. Awesome. That's so exciting. What was the TV show that your music was in? It was called Katie Keen with Lucy oh. Hale. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Um, it was my song Higher Ground and I love Lucy Hale, so I was very excited. <laughs> and were you the singer as well or did you just write the song? Not just, but Yeah, it was a song that I had released actually like from my just one of my songs. So, yeah, it was my voice and stuff. That's and so exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I can't, I can't imagine how competitive it is out there. I'm just thinking about TikTokers who started as TikTokers and now they're in the music industry and they have a mm. bit of a leg up on people who have started like organically and how that kind of just adds to the competition of trying to get yourself out there. Do you struggle with that a little bit? Seeing these like TikTokers being like blowing up and being like, oh, that must be nice. <laughs> I love hot takes on this. And I actually just was having a long conversation with one of my other musician friends about this last night. So on one hand, I think that TikTok is really incredible for independent artists because it allows the opportunity or gives the opportunity to have your music in front of a large audience and without any labels or anything like that yeah and so that's something that's really unique that's going on right now and it's really exciting but on the other hand there's this expectation now of artists and songwriters to be content machines and to be constantly putting out content it's like you should be posting two three times a day and if you're not blowing up on tiktok like maybe you should be rethinking your career it's intense and i've heard horror stories about labels putting pressure on artists to be active on tiktok and it's 
it is a different way of thinking and it's tough for artists who have been doing this for a long time and who are really talented but they don't quite understand how to do that and having the energy left there were two when you're making a bunch of content and then where's the energy left or the creativity left to actually create music yeah Um, absolutely so I think there's got to be a balance within that and there's the positives and there's also the struggle of trying to adjust and find your way within that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your story and be so honest and candid. It's so appreciated. And like we said in the beginning, something that, yeah, we just thought didn't actually happen to people. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation and I love meeting you both. And thank you for helping me get my story out there. Ah, thank you. Awesome. We'll let you go. We hope you have a great day. Yeah. No, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for reaching out and yeah, helping me share it. Well, thank you so much. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay, Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. We don't know who to thank because this is just a canned outro. But thank you to whatever guest we just interviewed because that was amazing. Thanks so much. It was amazing. Best story ever. (laughs) Learned so much. Yeah. This is our like canned little outro in the event that we aren't able to record a proper outro. Yes. Always be prepared. Always. Isn't that like a Boy Scout? Yeah. Always. I don't know. Always be charging. I don't know. Uh, What? No, it's like the ABCs of finance always be, I don't know. It's from a movie. Oh, I don't watch those. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a movie watcher. Oh my or a god. Music I do, listener. I do have a hard time watching movies. Like just sitting still too. through the whole thing. Yeah, I do too. It's because um, we've trained our brains to just watch 30 second long TikToks. Yeah. And if it doesn't grab our attention right away, we just swipe to the next one. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about in any of anything that we're doing Roe versus Wade. Yeah. No comment? No, I have lots of comments and it's just (laughs) awful. I just feel like it's the Wild West down there. I agree. It's it's crazy to me how they run anything down there, how they come up with anything. It's crazy. And yeah, it was so funny. There was this one thing where it was like, it was a TikTok and it was like, what is something that is a scam? But we're so used to it. We don't even know it yet. And someone was like, yeah, the Supreme Court, how these like geriatric people can decide anything. He's like, they could barely work Facebook. We shouldn't (laughs) let them (laughs) decide anything. And which is so true. Yeah. I just think that we should put it out there that we are close to the border. Yeah. And have and if anyone wants to come and visit. Yeah. If you have a uterus and just feel like you want to come for a visit. Yeah. We're close to the Rocky Mountains. We're close to major airports. Yeah. Um, We're only like a seven hour drive from the Montana border. Yeah. So we will just hang out and do whatever you need to do. And just while you recover from doing whatever you did, like camping or hiking or whatever, then Mm -hmm. we'll just hang out with us. Yeah. Just really drop us a DM. Absolutely. We are here for you. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) All right. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great week. Were you saying to me or to them? Honestly, if you're listening to this, I genuinely hope, unless you're P. Jones, not liking our intros. Oh, P. Jones. Then I hope you have a great week.
P. Jones, I hope that your sock falls under your ankle every time you walk. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I just Focus want them to that. be minorly inconvenienced at all times. Yeah, at least for a couple days. Joke's on us. They were minorly inconvenienced when they had to sit through our intro. Okay, so I hope you have to sit through our intro yeah. every time and you're not allowed to fast forward. <laughs> your fast forward button <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. You go make your kids some food. I'm going to go okay. vacuum. Oh, and fine. we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.